0: Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Church in the Valley. Like Jeremy said, we're really glad you guys are here to to worship with us. My name is Alex Barrett and I am the campus pastor uh, here. And before I get launched into the message this morning, I wanted to draw your attention to another flyer. We have like program of flyers this morning, Uh, but I want you to pull out this flyer as well as the one that Jeremy has already drawn your attention to. And for those of you, if this is your first time or you've not been here in a while, uh, we have moved to this location in June uh, just a couple months ago. And we have an opportunity in this new location to kind of have this kind of grand opening uh, to celebrate this new location and God providing it. And so we wanted to use this opportunity to invite. Uh, the family and friends that we're connected to, to like a grand opening, like a relaunch of a new location of Church in the Valley. And so this flyer says, come and see. And you're already here, so you've already come and seen. And we want you to invite other people so they can come and see and experience uh, Church in the Valley as well. Uh, here at Church in the Valley over the next year, our, our theme is to really invest and invite. We want to invest in our relationship with God. We want to invest in the lives of other people. And then we want to invite people to Our lives to include them in what we're doing in our life. And we also, part of that, want to invite them uh, to church. And so we're in a a new location. We're surrounded by neighborhoods of people who don't yet know Jesus Christ. And so we have an opportunity to invite them uh, to come to church. And so this flyer is a way uh, for you to be able to do that. And so I encourage you to think through people in your life who you can invite to church in the valley. People in your life who you can invite to just in your life, engage and get to know and to have opportunity to to love them. And that's really why we exist as a church. We didn't want to move here just to get a different location for us, uh, but we wanted to move here to continue to reach people for Jesus Christ. And so we want to ask you to help us do that. And so we're going to celebrate the grand opening on October 1st. And so if you could mark that on your calendar, begin to think through people uh, who you could invite. And we're also going to have some opportunities To Let the community know uh, that we've we've moved and that this is our new location. So we're going to have three dates of distributing door hangers to the neighborhoods surrounding this location. And what that means is just like it sounds, you have a door hanger that you hang on doors. And on that, it just lets people know that we're a church, we're here, and our grand opening is going to be October 1st. And so if you're looking for just a way to be involved, to help, uh, I invite you to kind of look out for that. We're going to have signups and you can come to one or two or to all three. And there's part of you that thinks like, I just, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. And so if you know what to say, you just invite people to church in the valley. If you don't know what to say, you smile and you hand them a door hanger. And there you go. A smile actually goes a long way. And so I invite all of you to, to participate in that. Uh, the dates are going to be coming out. You can sign up. But that's just a, kind of a key way that we can let people know. And then you guys can use this as well to invite people uh, in your own life. So I wanted to let you know of that and really looking forward to seeing uh, God continue to use us here at the Alhambra as we reach uh, the surrounding community here uh, for Jesus Christ. And so that's why we're here. Just want to let you know about that. And so you can kind of begin to think that through. Uh, I'm continuing a message series today, which actually talks about the mission uh, to which I've just talked about. Why do we exist as a church? Why do we exist as people? And what does that mean for our life? And over the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at the minor prophets in the Old Testament of the Bible. And the minor prophets are a group of 12 books of the Old Testament that are shorter in length and kind of narrowed in focus, but they actually have a lot of insight that we can learn today. These books were written, you know, of accounts of over 2000 years ago. And so there's a part where it seems like that could be antiquated. That can't really relate. But what you find in scripture, as you dig in and you read it for yourself, there's actually a lot that you can learn and lots of principles that you can actually apply uh, to your life. And so that's what we're doing over the course of this series. And so if, if you've missed any of that, And you'd like to catch up, you can always listen online at churchinthevalley.com. You can also podcast us. You can subscribe to Church in the Valley Alhambra. But I just want to catch us up briefly of where we've been. And so if you hear books of the Bible and you may think like, I didn't know that was a book of the Bible, that's a minor prophet. And so it's not minor in importance, but it might be minor in that you've never read it before. Okay? So I'm just going to catch us up. The first week we talked about lessons uh, from Jonah, the book of Jonah, Jonah was a person. And what we, we, we dug into is that God wants us to proclaim his love and mercy to those around us. That was the mission that he gave to Jonah and Jonah didn't want to do it. And that's the mission that he gives to us. And sometimes if you're a Christ follower, you don't want to do that either. And so we dug into the scriptures and looked at well, what, what happens when we resist that? What happens when we, we obey God's call on our life? And then last week we looked at lessons from Habakkuk, And that, too, is a book of the Bible. It's a fascinating book. It's short, but it has a lot of insight. And last week we looked at that we can turn to God for perspective and encouragement while we wait for him to fulfill his promises. And last week we looked at what do you do when the vision of what you hope to be doesn't match the reality of what is right now. When you're in the period of waiting, what do you do when you wait for God to come through? And then this week we're looking at lessons from Malachi. And I want to summarize kind of the large framework of the book of Malachi, which is actually similar to the large framework and themes of the Old Testament, which is actually similar to the theme and the framework of the New Testament. And as you dig into the scriptures, whether it's the minor prophets or the book of Genesis, which is the first book or the book of Matthew in the New Testament, which talks about Jesus, you get this sense of God wants to have a relationship with us. And he wants us to be on mission with him. And that's this theme that continues throughout the scripture. And so the book of Malachi highlights those same themes. And so I want to kind of start broad, give you the big theme, and then we're going to narrow uh, the focus. And so this is kind of review, but you, you find it in the book of Malachi as well. And that is God's mission is to establish a relationship with the people of all nations. That's the giant mission that you find in the scripture, that God is God but even though he's God, he wants to establish a relationship with people over the entire world. And you find this in Malachi uh, chapter one, uh, verse 11 and verse 14. It says this for from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations. This is God speaking. And in every place, incense will be offered to my name and a pure offering. So he's just saying that my name is, is going to be great. I am God. And over the course of the entire world, people will will worship me. This is kind of the grand scheme of the scriptures. Then it goes on for my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. It's like the the God of of the angels of all that he's he's created. And then Malachi 114 says this, for I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name will be feared among the nations. So God's mission is that his name will be feared among the nations. And that can seem like quite a grand claim. But when you dig into the God of the Bible, you realize that there is one king and it's God himself and that there's one creator and it's God himself. But in him creating, he set apart humans, men and women, me and you, to have a special relationship with him. We're the only creatures that he created that actually are made in his image. We're the only people that have the responsibility set apart from everything else. And so we have a special relationship being made in his image. And in that relationship, he wants to relate to us as a king who rules the entire world because he does. But he also wants to relate to us in a special relationship like a father does his children. In a relationship that actually is personal. And so there's this this kind of like chasm that exists between the king and the father. But what you find in scripture is that both of those are true and both of those are real. And that's the relationship in which God wants us to experience him. And in that relationship, God has not made us robots or pawns that he just moves like a chessboard. But we actually have free will. And so we choose the degree that we cooperate with him. We choose how we're going to look to him. Is he going to be our king or or not? Is he just some distant entity that we ignore? Is he just someone that we think is just waiting to get his thumb and squash us? And so we can decide how we view him. And how we view him impacts the relationship that we have with him. But what you find is for those that follow him, that decide that he is king and he is father and he wants me to be on mission with him and embark on this journey of following him, what you find is is that life begins to unlock like never before. In fact, you have the fullest life that you could have possible. And that is because God's built-in plan is to mobilize his people to carry out his mission. Part of being made in his image is the special relationship, but it's really the special role that he's given us to be on mission with him. No other person or no other thing that he created besides humans has that role to be on mission with him, to be a part of helping all the nations come to know him. So that's our role and that's our duty and it's a privilege. But again, we all choose whether to embark on that journey and relationship with him. So his built-in plan is to mobilize us to carry out his mission. And then we carry out his mission by investing our entire lives to moving God's mission forward. This is the theme of the scripture. A God is God and he is the king, but he wants a relationship with us. And in the relationship with us, we embark on a mission to serve him. And as we embark on the mission to serve him, we have an opportunity to invest everything we are and everything we have into moving that mission forward. This is really the call of Christianity. This is the call of being a disciple of Christ. You lay it all down for the king. You bow your knee to the king and serve him and his kingdom. And when that happens, when you decide to do that, when you decide to give your life to Jesus, sometimes on the front end, you don't know all that that means. You don't know all that that's going to cost. But when you realize you're willing to lay it all down your entire life for him, the benefit and the opportunity that you get following Christ far outweighs the cost. And that's the truth of a relationship through Jesus Christ. And so the Old Testament points to this coming Messiah, Jesus. The New Testament gives the summary of him coming and how it made the difference. And we today have an opportunity as we read the scriptures to ask the question, will we cooperate with God on this mission as well? And what happens when we decide to follow Jesus and we decide that we're going to give it all to push the kingdom forward, which represents the king, our king then we we do so at the heart level. It's at our core. And when God has our heart, our time, our talent, and our treasure follows. That is everything we have we're willing to give to the king. And I want to just summarize that time, talent, and treasure real briefly and explain that. Because being a Christian, when you give God your time, it's actually even more than a Sunday morning sometimes how many of you kind of set your alarm last night and just thought, wow, that's early. Or how many of you like wanted to do something else? Sunday brunch is really popular, but like if you come to church, it kind of cramps your style. Right. So all of us wrestle with things that we could rather be doing even on a Sunday. But when you invest your time into the kingdom to serve the king, it's even above and beyond that. It's really your life. What represents your calendar, what you do with your time and your tasks and your priorities? And so to invest in the king and in the kingdom, it means that you give your time to things that will help you grow. You give your time to getting to know God. You give your time to doing what I'm saying of like sharing your faith with other people, investing in others, inviting them into your life. That all shows up in time. And you do it at the heart. It's not about what you say. It's about what you do. And it shows up in your calendar. So when you give your time, you you really give your week and your plans. That doesn't mean you quit your job. Say like, well, God, you have my time. Because then you're actually going to be very useless, not having anywhere to live. But even at work in your time, you, you still do it for the king. And that leads to the talent. When you give your talent to God, you realize that he's made you in a unique way. We live in a world where sometimes it's hard to know the role that you play in your family, in the workplace, in the community. But God has made you unique. No one else made you unique. It was the hand of God. That's what makes him the king. He made you unique, and he made you in a unique way to play your role in the world. And he's given you skills and talents and gifting and wiring and a personality that he wants you to use to advance his kingdom. And that happens even at work. So whether you're a teacher, you can do that for the king's name, for his, for his honor. If you're an architect, you can do that for the king. Whatever job you have, as you use your talent, you can do that to honor God. And so this is the picture of what it means to follow Christ. Every aspect of your life, you can give over to him. And you do give over to him over time. And you begin to see what it means to fully surrender your life again and again each day that you wake up. And that leads to the, to the treasure. And that is everything you have, like your, your finances, your money, your resources. You, you can have an open hand to God. And these can be used for his kingdom because you realize that the God and king who gave you breath gave you your talent and your skill and your ability to make the money. And so really everything is his. So to cooperate on mission, we're willing to give up our resources to advance his kingdom. We're willing to give up Our time to advance his kingdom and we're willing to not get the praise for our talent, but instead point to God. So I wanted to give you this because this is God's intent from the beginning of time when he entered in a relationship with Adam and Eve, the first man and woman. This was his big picture. He'd have a relationship with us to make him known among the entire earth. And it started with those two. And have a special relationship where they're following him and they're serving him. And they're bowing the knee to him. And then something happened that destroyed this plan. And it was sin. And the book of Malachi is written in a, if this is true and all that I've said is real, then why is stuff so messed up? And you may have had your own experience with your relationship with God and you're like, That's nothing like I've experienced. You may have had experience in church and you're thinking, that's nothing like I've experienced. You know, church could be just you get in, you get out. A relationship with God is like, as long as he doesn't mess with me, I don't mess with him. it's, It's great. So everything I've described, it can somewhat seem like it's not real. So the book of Malachi is written like, what happens when everything falls apart? What happens when the intent of God's plan doesn't seem to be working in the lives of people? And so the book of Malachi is actually written in a time where the ideal isn't being experienced. And in fact, people are apathetic to following God. They resist following him. The relationship they have, is it's not clear with them. It's, it's just distant. And so if you find yourself there or you just find yourself tired out of following God or apathetic or distant, whatever it is, the book of Malachi is written to you and it's written to me and it's a great wake up call of what do we do to continue to be on mission with God. And here's the reality of the book of Malachi. And that is we all struggle holding back our resources from God and his purposes. We all struggle with holding back our heart the core of us and our resources. There's just a part in which we want to live for me. We want to live for ourselves. We don't want to think about God's kingdom. We want to think about my kingdom. We don't want to think about God's family. We want to think about my family. It's, It's from the beginning of time as humans, because of sin and independence going our own way, wanting what we want. We've turned inward and we've lost sight of the mission God has for us. And so the book of Malachi is written, To a group of people that this is where they are. And they've held back their heart from God. And they don't really want to follow him. And in Malachi chapter 3, you find this exchange throughout the book of Malachi. God is dialoguing. Malachi is his messenger. And Malachi, as the prophet, is giving the message to the people. God's people. The chosen people. These are the same people that were in Egypt under slavery that were saved from the hand of Pharaoh through the exodus. This is the same people that God wanted to establish this covenant relationship with, to be on mission with him. The people have forgotten God's faithfulness. And they're just, what what have you shown me lately, God? And so God brings questions to them and brings kind of these these warnings to them. And they continue to ask questions like, I don't understand what you mean. What What I kind of look at the book of Malachi, it's like God interacting with toddlers. Have you interacted with a toddler recently where you say something and it makes complete sense, but they can ask a question back and and you just think, are we even speaking the same language? And sometimes as they speak, you're like, no, we're not. But it's the sense of they they question everything. And what seems like the most logical from A to B, they're like, but what about Q? And you're just like, what? And that's the book of Malachi. Okay. So I want to just begin this dialogue and then we're going to take a step back. So Malachi three, this is the struggle of the relationship between God and, and people. And this, this is us too. This is what God says. Your words have been hard against me, says the Lord. If you ever read that in the Bible, it's kind of like, uh Oh, if God's saying, you know, you've been hard against me, what you've been saying has been against me. Uh Oh, okay. But you say, okay, now the toddler speaks up. How have we spoken against you? Like what? God, no. What are you talking about? And then the next verse you have said it is vain to serve God. So God's just really clear. You've spoken hard against me. No, we haven't. God, what have we said? You've said it's worthless to follow me. Oh, like that. Right. Like this is kind of what's happening. It's it's so obvious, but they're just blinded. All they see is themselves. It is vain to serve God. What is the profit of our keeping his charge or of walking as in mourning before the Lord of hosts? And so the word vain there is is worthless. It's futile following God. It doesn't add any advantage to us. Have you been there? People maybe tell you about a relationship with God and there's just a part of you where you, what advantage is it? Why would that help you? Why do you need him? And maybe you have a relationship with God and there's just times where you just wonder, is this worth it? That's what they're saying. It's kind of worthless. This doesn't even make sense. And this idea where we're just walking in mourning and they're basically like, God, It's vain to serve you because we serve you and we're the most miserable people on the earth. You think that's the mission God intended? God, we'll follow you, but we'll be the most depressed people ever. And we'll tell people to follow you so that they can be the most depressed people ever. Come and see, right? Come and see. It doesn't work like that. But God brings this charge. You said it's vain. It's worthless. It's a waste of waste of your time. And this is a warning and a challenge to all of us, because in our hearts, we can all get to this point. It's not worth it. It's costing me too much. And so I want to kind of go through the rest of the book briefly with broad strokes on how does that get to that point? How does a group of people who are supposed to be serving God, get to the point where they think it is vain to serve him. A waste of time. Worthless. How does that happen? Because if you ever read the scriptures in the Old Testament, you find that again and again. It's just God's faithfulness, God's faithfulness. But then the people just forgot and did their own thing. So through the book of Malachi, you get these kind of big pieces of what was going on. And what's great about the scriptures, again, is that these are actually parallels to what you see today. So the question is, what could cause us to not want to cooperate with God? What could call, cause us to have apathy and not really care anymore? What could cause us to approach him like a toddler? Not the king. Okay. And he, here's some things that, that I want to just kind of unfold. And there's three, three main things that talk about what hinders our cooperation with God. The first thing is that you find the book of Malachi is that the people were being ungrateful for God's provision. They're just ungrateful for God's provision. And in Malachi one, two through five, God gives this description of how he's loved the people in the past, how he's loved them in the present and how he's going to love them in the future. But in, in verse two, he says, I have loved you, says the Lord. But you say, how have you loved us? Basically, my take on that is God saying, I, I have loved you. And they're just like. No, you haven't. We don't see it. Are you kidding me? Following you is hard. And they're just they don't see what, what God's done. And so they were ungrateful for for God's provision. And that's so easy to do in each of our lives. I think part of it is we get to the point in life where we've, you know, we've established ourselves. And we've made it thus far. And we look back and we actually don't see the hand of God anymore. And we get kind of further away. and We don't see the hand of God anymore. And we think because we don't see the hand of God that it's not there. And since it's not there, then the only reason I'm here is because of me and my effort and my gifting, and my skills, and my hard work, and my character, and it becomes about us. And we have this temptation, we don't see the hand of God, so therefore we don't think it's there. But what God's saying is, my hand has always been there. In fact, we're all here because he's given us breath. And we're all here because he's chosen to give us life. And we're all here because he sustains that life. But it's so easy, just God... What have you done for me lately? And that's what the people were saying. I want to show a video that was done by Babylon B. Any of you guys familiar with Babylon B? Uh, Babylon B is is a kind of like Christian satire media group. And if you don't know it's satire, it can actually kind of rub you the wrong way. Or you're like, this has got to be a joke. And it, it actually is. But just like satire, what they're doing is they're seeing issues in Christian culture, like problems, concerns, uh, potential traps that we could find ourselves in. And so Babylon B. you may see different articles about, but there's a clip here that I think highlights this idea of we, we become people that are just forgetful of God's provision and and his presence in the world. Let's watch this together. Sources confirmed Tuesday that local freethinker, Jared Olson, called into question the idea that God has ever done anything for him, all while inhaling oxygen and exhaling carbon dioxide. Diane has more on the story.
1: Jared Olson attends Edmonds Community College, where we caught up with him while he was speaking to a gathered crowd about the need for, or lack thereof, God.
0: This whole idea of God is just holding us all back.
1: Olsen said this as the membrane across his larynx vibrated to modulate the flow of air from his lungs, making his speech audible to the people listening.
0: What's he done for you? What's he done for me? Nothing!
1: As the people listened, their intricate air structures were instantly being transformed by the invisible sound waves into abstract thoughts in their brain's nervous tissue. Olsen went on to pursue this line of reasoning further, claiming that, and I quote, Mankind has science, medicine, and mathematics to thank for its continued existence rather than an all-powerful creator for which there is absolutely no evidence, end quote. According to eyewitnesses, he made these claims as the surface his feet rested on continued to spin around the Earth's core without any input from him, all while the only known habitable planet on which he stood rocketed around the center of the galaxy in perfect formation at the unfathomable rate of 490,000 miles per hour. Brady.
0: Thanks, Diane. We understand Olson plans to detail religion's negative influence on society at a meeting next week, which is being held in the annex adjacent to both a Christian homeless shelter and a Catholic hospital. That's How has he loved us? That's interesting. That that was just done recently. So they're seeing this. This is prevalent today. It's actually prevalent in all of our lives. And that's the great thing about satire. You kind of laugh it off. (laughs) And then you're like, oh, man. I kind of presume a lot, you know, And that's the point. It gets you to think. And that's what was happening in the book of Malachi. Just. I've loved you. Well, how? And so they were just ungrateful for, for God's provision. And so for us. The reason that we're hesitant to move forward with God, the reason we, we hold back, is because we actually fail to see what he's done for us. And this, you know, is coming from this angle of just the fact that you're alive. But it's even more than that. God has been good to us. Even if you don't have a relationship, God longs to be gracious and he has been gracious to you. Ready for you to turn to him. And if you do have a relationship with him, He's patient and long-suffering that even when you sin, he has not destroyed you. He's not cut you off. He still longs to have a relationship with you. That's God's provision. Not to mention everything else that he gives us that we can enjoy in this life. But when we're ungrateful, it hinders our cooperation. The second thing that was going on that I think is true for us today is that, and it's kind of linked, is we withhold our resources from God. So, We're ungrateful for how he's provided. And oftentimes what happens is because we don't see his hand then we think, well, why am I going to extend my hand back to you when I can't see your hand helping me? And so we withhold our resources from God. And again, this is a warning to the people. And in Malachi 3, 8 through 12, it says, will a man rob God? Yet you rob me again when God says you're he's being robbed. uh oh. Well, a man rob God? But yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? Again, the question. No, God, what? You can't see. No, that's not right. They're questioning him. God. How do we rob you? And then God says, well, in tithes and offerings, you're under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. And he goes on. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. And this goes back to the resources. In the scriptures, the biblical amount to, to give back to God is a tithe, which is 10% of what you make. 10% of your income, we're commanded to give back to God. But what happens with our treasure is that because we become self-sufficient, and we become self-made, we tend to think, well, it's not really God's like I, I've done that. And that's what the people of Israel were doing. But God had their attention because they weren't experiencing blessing. And so they're just God, what, what's going on? Why are you, we're in this morning? It's vain to serve you. We're not blessed. And then God said, well, of course you're not. You're robbing me. I've commanded you to give this back and and you're not doing it. And you think that you can just ignore my commands and there's going to be no consequence. And I think that's a lesson for all of us. It's it's kind of that that the paradigm of flourishing. Like when things are going well in your life, how much do you acknowledge God? Right. And this is what was happening. They were getting to the point where they, they ignored God. they were going their own way. But finally, when things were falling apart, like, okay, God, why is it falling apart? What have you done? And God's thinking, well. Actually, this is the first time you've addressed me in a long while. And in my own life, that can be true. When things are going really well, what's your relationship with God like? But It's oftentimes when things are falling apart, it's like God's fault. You ever had that? God, where are you? God's like, I've been here the whole time. Where have you been? I've been here. And we question, you know, we, we do, we wrestle with God this this treasure the reason he asks to give his treasure god doesn't need our money he doesn't need it he could do whatever he wants at any time in any country in every nation because he's the king but the only way that we buy in to what he does in his kingdom is we have to be invested in it and the only way to be invested is it has to cost us something and it costs us our time it costs us our talent and it costs us our treasure And that's a real cost where we can invest it back into his kingdom. Now we're invested. We have buy in. But they weren't cooperating. And it began with just being ungrateful, and it connected to withholding their resources. And they they weren't cooperating. And overall, kind of the overall lesson of the book of Malachi is this that they chose me first over serving God that's what they did they they chose me first over serving God and part of being on mission with God is that like I have said he's the king we have an opportunity to serve the king but when we choose me first we want to build our own kingdom and that's always the rub that we experience in life whose kingdom will you build whose kingdom will you live for? And that was what Malachi came to proclaim to the people. And again, again, the scripture, you see people just wrestling with whose kingdom are you going to build? And I want to go back to that that verse that I started with in Malachi 3. And it says again, you have said harsh things against me, says the Lord. Yet you ask, what have we said against you? You have said it is futile to serve God. What did we gain by carrying out? his requirements, and going about like mourners before the Lord Almighty. And this picture, and those four words, is so crucial. What did we gain? Those questions right there, those words, what did we gain? It was about their kingdom. It was about themselves. And that really represents all of us and the wrestling that we do before God. As he calls us to be on mission with him, we have to decide, will we lay our life down? As he calls us to be on mission with him, laying our life down, will I give up my my time and my talent and my treasure? But even more and before all of that is, will I actually bow my knee before him? Will I bow to serve the king and set aside me first and my kingdom be a part of his kingdom and putting him first in the scriptures you see that theme again and again again, it's you can't serve two masters you can't have it both ways and the people in the the time of malachi they, they were just trying to have it both ways i want to tell you i think the most miserable person that i've seen in my life are people that claim to want to live for god but hold back and really are in it for themselves Those are the most miserable people because God doesn't allow you to do that. You can't do it. You're going to be half hearted. You're not going to experience the life that God has. And if you're just about you and you have no care for God's kingdom, you don't experience the life that God has. So here's the good news. You see kind of these bad signs, man, the questioning, the resistance, the apathy, the discontent. But it comes full circle. And what you find in the Old Testament is God continued to extend his grace to his people. He continued to extend grace to those outside of the people of God because it goes back to his mission. And the answer to all of us is no matter where we find ourselves, just like the people in the book of Malachi, we can return to God and invest our life in his mission. And that's. The promise of Malachi is we can return to him. And I want to close with this scripture. And it says this, For I, the Lord, do not change, therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. So God's saying the roller coaster relationship with you. You're interested, you're not interested, you're invested, you're not, you're frustrated, you're complaining, you're questioning. But I, I do not change. My mission does not change. My love for you does not change. It's not linked to what you do. I am God. And you're not consumed. And then it goes on. From the days of your fathers, you've turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. That's actually good news. Because what he's saying is, you're stubborn and apathetic. But you know what? Your parents were too. You know what? Their parents were. And why is that important to us? Because we're actually from that line. And we're here today from history, from people who've rebelled against God. But this promise to them is the same promise to us. Then he says, return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. So that's the great news and the great opportunity. Despite where we find ourselves, we can return to God. We can still be a part of his kingdom. It's not too late. And so I just want to just kind of end with some next steps that you can take. And on your connection card, if you pull that out, we're going to, in a moment, be receiving our offering. The band's going to sing again. But fill out that connection card, and there's some next steps that you can take related to today's message. Again, following God is is, is not about what you say, but it is about what you do. And so we want to help you take action. And so there's a couple next steps that you can take. The first is identify what's holding me back from wholehearted faith. What's causing you to not cooperate? Is it something in your time? Is there just aspect of your time that you just don't want to give to God? Is it related to your talent, your treasure? Is it just these, these areas you just, it's about you first. Just ask God to, to show you that. And then the second next step is invest my time, treasure, and talent. You could circle one by blank. So think of what would God want you to do? If you if you decide, okay, God, I'm, I'm all in. I want to move your mission forward. I want to relate to you as my king and as my father. What would that mean for your time? What might that require of you? And then for your talent, what, what might that mean? And so here at Church in the Valley, for time, it means that we make time for things that help us grow. And so when we talk about groups, we don't just want to do groups for group's sake, but we want people to be in a community group so that they can grow and invest in their relationship with God. So they can invest in the lives of other people. That's how time shows up. It costs you a night of the week, but you're making an investment in growing. And it's worth it. And in time, maybe it's just you, you need to approach work in a way like I'm not just working for myself, but I, I need to work in a way that pleases the king, God. And I have an attitude that reflects I'm working for him. And so take time just to, to wrestle there. What we'll find just as a church, as we fully give ourselves to his mission and we decide to lay our lives down, people will see something that's real that they can't see anywhere else because it represents God's kingdom, not any earthly kingdom. And that's what we want to invite people to, to experience the relationship with the king. So I encourage you just in your own life, if you're investigating, following God, I've listed the things that are going to prevent you from doing that. So you might just want to wrestle. What is it in my life that's preventing me from investing fully and in following God in his kingdom? Take the time to wrestle with that. And if you have questions, please let us know. We'd love to help you. I'm going to pray and the band's going to come up. You can drop your connection card in the offering as that comes by and we're going to sing a song back to God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for... The journey of a lifetime that we can experience following you and the opportunity to be a part of a kingdom that's greater than any kingdom here on this earth and it's greater than any goal or ambition that we can have ourselves as individuals.